All right, uh, another edition of the Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. Uh, I know a lot of people have been waiting and waiting and waiting to check out week two of the podcast and hopefully a little bit of a better result in week two than in week one. Brian, I got to tell you, I was actually thinking about blowing this off because uh, the last time we did this, it did not work. Uh, We did one before the Super Bowl last year, did not work. I don't know, man. If we go 0 for 3, 0 for our last 3, we may have to put uh, the kibosh on this thing for a while. What do you think? <laughs> well, it's always good to talk to you, Dave, win or loss. You so, too. You too. You know, uh, we've been through a lot worse than uh, week one losses, and we've been through a fair share of those my, as, as uh, I know you've uh, experienced. So, yeah. you know, it was it was definitely not a uh, particularly encouraging first week of the season for the Seahawks. Yeah, you know, let's uh, let's go back and first of all talk about that because on uh, on one hand, and look, you know me, I, I try to play the glass half full guy, but then I just go into panic mode and I just kind of lose every you know ounce of credibility as far as being patient is concerned. On one hand, they didn't play a great game at all in a lot of phases, and they were right there in overtime. And without a guy falling down in regulation, they probably have a great shot to win the game on the road against a team that's now beaten him three out of four years. The problem is now there's people like you that 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 may look at some warts and some weaknesses on that football team and wonder, all right, was that more than just about one loss and one tough opponent? Or are there some cracks in the armor that uh, maybe are about to get ugly as the year goes by? What's your uh, what's your meter look like uh, coming out of St. Louis on Sunday? Well, I mean, if you break down if you break down where things went poorly, um, I mean, I think things that really stick out are obviously pass protection was bad, yep. right? Yep. Um, and red zone uh, production was bad, um, and then pass defense was bad and I think you could throw special teams in there with with uh, Hauschka's issue and with the uh, punt return touchdown but but um of those things I mean I think uh I think we all kind of expected the pass protection to be an issue right um and they were able to function I think it really comes down to that pass defense was atrocious um and it was a mess it wasn't like it was really good, and there was just a couple mistakes. I mean, this idea that they just have a couple corrections, when you have eight plays at 20 or more yards, that's not a couple of mistakes. That's a lot of mistakes. And um, that's against probably one of the bottom third offenses in the league. Right. Um, so in an empty stadium, <laughs> you know, no energy. So I think they're in real trouble uh, from a from a defense perspective, and I think that that's going to make it really hard this mm. week um, to to get all those things corrected in time to to be competitive yeah. Um, in Green Bay. Yeah, you know, uh, going back to the, uh, I mean, obviously you just kind of threw it in there as a side note about the stadium being half full. I was concerned about that before the game. I, I you know, people were all, this is great. There's going to be nobody there. Two years ago, they went there on a Monday night. Uh, and there was a World Series game going on, and it was as hard a game that they had all year. I mean, that was that that fourth down stop by Earl, and then Heath Farwell had that big tackle on third down. So they 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 seem to almost play better when they go into an environment and there's seventy thousand people there that hate their guts. So that that wasn't a positive for me at all going in. We all knew the offensive line was going to have an issue with that Rams defense uh, defensive front. 
And I said it last week on the air that, heck, that might be the toughest defensive test they'll see all year when you consider a lot of factors. Number one, how green the offensive line was in game one. Number two, how good this uh, Rams defensive front is. And number three, it's on the road in their house. So that might be the best defensive unit they'll face and the toughest defensive uh, challenge they'll see the entire year. But the pass defense thing, man, for me, I mean, look, you know, I, I can almost accept the fact that there was some chaos in the secondary even with guys like Earl and Richard not having Cam there, it was only, what, the fourth time, I think, Brian, those guys had not played together in the NFL. What really disappointed me was the way the linebackers played in that yeah. game. I mean, I thought I thought Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright could, could do a lot more than what they did Sunday in St. Louis. Yeah, I, that, that's exactly right. I mean, when I say the pass defense, I'm not saying it's not the just secondary. the secondary, right? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there were a lot of the plays that happened were were plays that were in front of the Seahawks that they didn't tackle properly or they weren't close. And people are saying that it's a tackling issue. I didn't see that as much. Yes, they missed some tackles. I thought they just weren't there, and so there's a lot of desperation tackles that you know don't usually get made. So um, it just was. It was disturbing, uh, quite honestly. That's the word I'd use to see a Seahawks front uh, seven, um, or I'd say the back seven in this case, um, really look out of sorts. Um, they, they, they seem to be in the wrong place. The communication seemed to be an issue. I understand what, you know, one of the plays was Kerry Williams and KJ Wright. Kerry Williams is new. You know, that type of stuff will happen. Right, right. But uh, the linebackers looked out of sorts. So, that was that was hard to watch, and um, that should be one of the best. That should be probably the strongest group on this entire team is the Seahawks linebackers, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they didn't have a good game. They just no, didn't. No doubt. And then you know, uh, obviously, big game Sunday versus Green Bay. We'll chat about that in a second. But going back to the game versus St. Louis, a uh, lot of talk about the kick in in overtime. You know, I, I've heard Pete's explanation for what he was asking Hauschka to do. And then I saw with my own eyes what Hauschka did, and that didn't look like a guy to me at all that was planning on pooching that ball to the 15. And I don't know. I mean, look, obviously I could be wrong. You know, I actually went back and compared his motion and the get-off on the line of scrimmage of the guys to his right versus what the onside kick versus the Packers looked like. And it was exactly the same as far as their execution. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, one one theory I threw out there, and there's a ton of them, obviously. Maybe there was just a miscommunication, uh, and Pete thought he was getting something that Hauschka, uh, you know, and, and you know, Steve is going to do something else. And they just decided, hey, and, you know, instead of having the miscommunication out there, let's just tell people that there was a breakdown in the execution. I have no idea. But I agree with what with what Holmgren said on uh, on on Monday. What are you even doing putzing around? Just kick off and play football and kick the ball out of the end zone and take it from the twenty and let's go. What was your take on that whole deal? Yeah, you know, you've you've heard me. You and I have talked about this for years, right? I've I've defended Pete as a great coach and a tactician and you know, in game adjustment guy. Like he. He clearly deserves to be mentioned with some of the best coaches, you know, ever really at this point. Um, but he has always had an Achilles heel, and that's game management. And and I think, honestly, I think we saw it in the Super Bowl at the most crucial point. Um, I think we've seen it before half when they have you know Hasselback do a QB sneak, yeah. and you know like there's been these situations where he just he does things that don't make sense and aren't aren't thought they're not thoughtful they're not they're not um, I don't think they're well thought out. So in this case, um, before that kick happened, before they even started moving, I turned to my son and said, 
I bet you Pete's going to try for an onside kick here. <laughs> and on. the only reason was because I know it burns him to answer questions before every St. Louis game about are they going to get you know fooled again? Is he going to get you know pantsed on on TV? I think Pete, you know, he in the first time Fisher did that to them two years ago, he did some silly, you know, me too kind of, you know, stuff in those games from a special team standpoint. It's obvious. I think it's childish. And um, in this case, I don't know. I mean, I'll take them at their word that this was just a miscommunication. But that's not what they said. There wasn't a miscommunication. What he said is that Houchka just mishit the ball. And, I, I mean, my God, I mean, uh, Brian, I don't want to spend an hour talking about this, but did, did that look like a guy that was trying to pooch the kick to you to the 15-yard no, line? No, How does a guy miss that bad? No, it didn't. But you know what, Dave? That's not what the difference is between winning and losing. Oh, I know. I know. Like, Trust me. I know like, that. We right. won't see that, that. I mean, there'll be more situations like that, and we'll, we'll get mad at Pete about this or that, and that's fine. But, I mean, there's a real problem with the way that defense played there. Yeah. And, um the Seahawks scored 31 points, and that should be enough to win any game. That, no doubt. that was 22 straight games they had won scoring that many points. Correct. Um, Correct. And, uh, you know, look, I think that, that, you know, if we're turning our attention a little bit to, to the Packers game, I think this could be an ugly game. I think the Seahawks could be in real trouble this week. And mm-hmm. um, I don't say that as let's panic um, because, honestly, I think – you know, this team finishes nine and seven and in the playoffs somehow. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but if that were to happen, but yeah. they were, they were right. If they're right at that point, they get all the right guys there and they're playing the right way. They could still win a Super Bowl. So it's all about getting to the point where we know they, they're playing Seahawks football. But right now, I don't think they're yeah. a shadow of themselves on defense. Well, and uh, first of all, I agree with your point about that's not why they lost the game. I mean, t- to me, Two third and 15s allowed on defense. Both of them led the touchdowns for the Rams. I mean, come on. You know, that's that's amateur hour, you know, yep. by, by Seahawks standards. And you get off the field the way you should, and that's 14 points that are off the board right there. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Rams make up for it somewhere else. If we're going to live in an alternate universe where the Hawks don't allow third and 15s twice, then you have to allow for the possibility that St. Louis can make up for it somewhere else. But I'd love to take my chances. So that's number one. Number two... Uh, the fourth down decision, you know, obviously the formation, the execution, blah, blah, blah. But just going back to your point about how the Seahawks could be in trouble against Green Bay and their and their pass defense doesn't look right. I mean, nobody wants to admit it for some reason. I don't know why this is so hard for people to just say, yeah, it's a problem. Dude, not having Cam Chancellor is an obvious, obvious reason why that pass defense struggled Sunday versus St. Louis. And I don't give a damn what anybody says. This whole idea, next man up, and we're going to be fine without him. Bullshit. You're not going to be fine without him. Okay? And now, look, you might be fine in four or five weeks from now when Deion Bailey feels comfortable and Kerry Williams is playing better and Marcus Burley and blah, blah, blah. But you can't tell me right now that they are hurting uh, for, for, you know, look, there's obviously other reasons they're hurting, but the number one reason that they're hurting right now is because 31's not out there. I think that's that's the debate, though. I, I don't think anyone anyone that is at all honest would say that Cam Chancellor being gone is is not a problem. I mean, it's it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Come I on, mean, it absolutely is. But I would say, let's say, let's look, turn back a year or two years even. Um, Cam Chancellor sits out a game, then 
um, and you've got Browner and you've got Sherman or Thurmond and Sherman and, right. and Earl. Right. Maxwell. They wouldn't yep, have missed yep. a beat. Right. I mean, I think they would have had a harder time, but – you know, there is uh, there's issue with new people um, in that secondary having to communicate and having to understand their, their assignments. Um, that's understandable. Kerry Williams, like we said, understandable. The, the problem here is the linebackers or, or, you know, other members of that secondary, I think, um, you know, when you have two members of the secondary that are new, half that's half of them, right? So um, it, it, is, it is a challenge um, and, and really – if you get to nickel, you're talking about three fifths of that secondary. Right. Our new guy. Right. Right. So um, it is a problem. Um, it's not a problem that's going to be solved in one week. If it is, if it is solved in one week, then man, hats off to Chris Richard and no Pete question. Carroll. Hats no question. Off. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, and uh, Rocky Seto as well. You know, for whatever yeah. role he's playing back there. Yeah. Yeah. I I just that that's the thing where it's like yeah I'm hearing a lot of the normal stuff from the Seahawks this week. And, uh, you know, yeah, all, all our mistakes, stuff we can correct. Um, and, of course, that's always the case. But, you know, when you have 15 mistakes in a week, let's say, I don't think you can realistically get down to one or two. Um, you know, there's going to be more mistakes, and you're going to be facing a quarterback that doesn't miss them. So I really think when you look at this week, what it's going to be about is Seahawks offense is going to have to be damn efficient. Right. They're right. going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to hold the ball. And when they get red zone opportunities, yep. can't be field goals. I mean, if if the Seahawks had had one more touchdown out of their four red zone possessions, they win. They win the game. If the if the Rams had had one fewer touchdown out of their four red zone possessions, Seahawks win. Like red zone right there, you know, the team's really got to get better and I think that the best chance for that's got to be on offense. Yeah. And honestly, Russell played like crap in the red zone last week. Hmm. Crap. You want to expand on that? Well, it could get messy. But uh, yeah, feel free. I mean, I, I I'll get uh, the mop. I'll get the mop to clean uh, it up after you're you done. You know, um, he uh, he's inaccurate. He he had throws to Jimmy Graham on uh, a couple occasions that were uncatchable. Um, throw to Jermaine Curse that was uncatchable. He missed Doug Baldwin wide open on the throw to Curse. Curse um, was facing, uh, you know, off coverage in that, and that should have been a situation that 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 uh, Russell should have known to look elsewhere. He didn't. Um, Tyler Lockett wide open on another play, um, in the end zone, totally missed. Um, so, you know, Russell really, uh, you know, just needs to give a guy like Jimmy Graham a chance to catch the ball. It doesn't have to be a perfect pass, but put it somewhere where reasonably he could have some chance to reach out and grab it. The one that he scored a touchdown on wasn't a great throw, but Graham made it work. So, you know, um, he's the guy more than anything else. Russell Wilson's got to improve in the red zone this week. Yeah, I think uh, Jimmy Graham is the kind of guy like, uh, I don't know if you play golf or not, you know, when you're on the green and, uh, you know, you kind of in your mind build a a circle around the hole that's got about a five-foot radius. If you've got like a 15-foot putt uh, for uh, for Eagle, hey, just just get that ball within that radius and then, uh, you know, just pop it in from a foot and a half away for birdie. The same thing with Jimmy Graham, you know, especially when he's in single coverage. Just get the ball in that radius and let Jimmy Graham go get it. And, you know, look, I mean, I thought they were better in that regard in the second half. That's going to come. I, I kind of have the same attitude about that as you do about the new guys in the secondary. Hey, there's going to be some growing pains there. It's going to happen. It's going to come eventually. But going back to the Packer game now on, on Sunday, 
Uh, I, I agree with you that I think this is almost more on the offense on Sunday night than it is on the defense because you're going to see a tougher test, obviously, and uh, you know maybe a better running game, absolutely a better running back in Eddie Lacy versus Benny Cunningham, who again crushed us through the air, by the way, last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that this is a game where the defense is going to probably give up, I don't know, throw me a number, 24, 26 points around there. And the offense against a much weaker defensive line with a guy like Sam Barrington being out, they they got to run the ball. Hell, if the Bears can go for a buck ninety and Matt Forte can do what he did a week ago in Chicago, then this offense has got to prove they can do the same thing. Yeah, it, it, I mean, let's let's put that uh, let's optimistic cap for a second. You know, a little bit of gloom and doom so far, but you know, imagining what it would look like for the Seahawks to win. I mean. Think about when's the last time you saw the Seahawks win a game like 37-31 or something like that. I mean, that's that is not what we've become accustomed to for for a number of years. And um, I can tell you for sure, the only time they've won a game like that when when the opposing team scored 31 or more, um, I think it's actually 27 or more um, in the last 42 or 43 games. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, against. New Orleans in the first round of the playoffs in Pete's first year when they won yep. 41-36. The Beastquake, Beastquake game, right. Game. right, right. So it is incredibly rare for this team to win shootouts, and um, I think that might be what they have to do. I think it could be special teams setting them up again. I think it could be, uh, you know, the running game, like you said. I think it, not just Marshawn. I think Russell. I think uh, Green Bay has trouble with running quarterbacks, yep. and yep. I don't see great athleticism um, in that Green Bay defense, and they struggled – Jay Cutler had one of his best rushing games in the first week of the season. So um, I think those are things that could happen. I think Fred Jackson had a nice first game. I think the receivers had a fantastic first game. They caught everything that went their way. Um, So, yeah, I think this offense showed some real promise. People focus on the pass protection issues, but I agree with you. I think that's unique to how good that Rams defense is. Right. I expect them to be better this week. Yeah, I just uh, – the the thing about Russell, and it's hard, you know, I, I kind of have, you know, just two different takes on that because last year the guy was great. I mean, he was like, what, the seventh leading rusher in the NFL, whatever it was, led the league in yards per carry last year, what, seven yep. yards a carry. So one game does not show that the Seahawks are going away from Russell as a running quarterback. But I, I, I just think that you embrace it every game that Russell can run the ball. I mean, you're, you're right, man. I mean, I go back to that playoff game with the Niners a couple years ago when Kaepernick just tore him up on the ground uh, at Lambeau Field, I believe. And, and, you know, Cam Newton had a decent day last year. They seem to have issues with running quarterbacks, and I thought there were times in the game on Sunday against the Rams where that read zone keeper was there, and for whatever reason, Russell just did not want to keep it. And Maybe the play was designed to go to Marshawn the whole way. But I think, you know, look, all we heard from Pete Carroll about Russell all offseason long is how much faster he is, right, versus where he was a year ago. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace the fach that you have a running quarterback. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I think, listen, when I, I've – Talk to some Packers fan. I've done some Packer radio this week, and Dave, they are more scared, at least, or at least as scared of the Seahawks as uh, any Seahawks fan is of Green Bay this week. Mm. And that really defies logic. I mean, they've barely lost these games to the Seahawks other than the opener last year. Right. They've all been in Seattle. Aaron Rodgers was hurt in the last time. You know, the Seahawks are missing some key, you know, key player and, and uh, you know, obviously still coming together. It's prime time, home opener. Like, there's a lot of things going in Green Bay's favor. They should feel pretty damn good. 
They don't. <laughs> they absolutely don't. ESPN, I loved it. The guy that covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN picked Seattle to win. The guy that covers Seattle for ESPN picked the Packers to win. Yeah. So uh, this is this is could be a really fascinating game. Um, I'm hoping it's a great game. Uh, you know, my my uh, my my past, my Seahawks past. I think you can feel me on this one. Is like I'm just braced for bad. Like I I I'm braced for the, the Seahawks to really not not come. Now wait a minute. That's like the '90s uh, coming into play there. I well, it's wow. pre Pete Carroll time for way him, back. Right? Like, Way it's been back. since 2011 since they've lost a game by more than 10 points, and yeah. Uh, yeah. this feels like it could be one of those. Well, I hope you're wrong. I mean, obviously, 0-2 is not going to look great on paper. It's not over at 0-2. As a matter of fact, I uh, I think if you put a gun to my head right now and said, if you're wrong, I'm going to pull the trigger, uh, I think they'll be 3-3 three and three after six games. Uh, exactly where they were a year ago. I think, I think again, if I'm, if I'm impartial Dave Mahler, and not Homer fan Dave Mahler, and I'm in Vegas. I'm going loss versus Green Bay. I'm going win versus Chicago, win versus Detroit. Probably a loss at Cincinnati, and then a win against Carolina, and you're 3-3, three and three, and you're right yeah. back in the same spot. 4-2 and two would not surprise me either, by the way, but I don't know. I mean, does 3-3 three and three sound manageable, like you can get the ball rolling just like you did a year ago and, and make a run in those final 10 games? Yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, like I said at the beginning, um, I think when this team gets their feet underneath them, nobody stops them. I really don't think. I mean, I think injuries, you know, losing players, those are what stops this team. Um, if they're healthy and they are, you know, they've, they've had some chance to acquaint, with, acquaint themselves with one another, this is the best team in football. I, 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 with all the negative, you know, conversation we've had today, n- nothing I've seen changes my mind on that. Their yeah. talent is, yeah. Yeah. is there. They just got to find their way to it. So, um, this well, Pete Carroll, the next step. listen, Pete Carroll's done a great job of getting this team to play their best football at the end of the year. You know, yep. they've always gotten better as the year goes on. Maybe you can, I mean, even refresh my memory, 2011, when they were seven and nine, did they have a tough December that year? Or was that a year where they kind of maybe put a few things together? I don't have the 2011 schedule in front of me, but it just seems like under Pete Carroll, every year they're they're gaining momentum at the exact right time. So I'm banking on the same thing happening again this year. Let's get a, just a quick discussion. I know you got to run on on the Cam story. Uh, I heard Puckett today on his show say that uh, if he's not here by week 10, then screw him. And I don't agree with that at all. I mean, to me, you know, look, it's. Uh, it's obviously a toy that's sitting there right now in the garage that you can't bring out. His uh, his salary is not counting against your cap. He's on the exempt list as of right now. I would just let him sit there, and I'd let him sit there the entire year. I'm not even thinking about trading this guy until the year's over. Yeah. No, I, I guess uh, the way I'm looking at it, Dave, is is he's this is going to be a Galloway-like situation mm-hmm. is, is kind of my expectation. That means I he think. comes back for Week 10 plays and then gets moved over the offseason. Yeah, that's what that's, you're talking about. That's that's kind of what I see. Um, and you'd you welcome know. him back in week ten if they're if they're seven and three or six and four. You got no problem plugging him back in there. Yeah, and realistically, I mean, people have to account for that. You know, that he won't play um, at least the first week back. Um, just getting back in might be a couple of weeks. So you might get him for two or three games, four games at most um, at the end of the season, maybe five if if you're lucky. Um, and who knows if he'll stay healthy during that process, but. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of what I see happening at this point. I really, really hope that turns around. I love watching Cam play, yep. but that's, I think, you know, the Seahawks have to operate like he's, 
he's no longer part of the team um, until he just chooses to be part of the team. But you're but you're not ready to go down that trade route yet. No, I don't think you can trade him. Yeah. I, I think you know that will do you know, all this effort, all this work, all this pain they're going through to say, look, this is not something we're going to reward. You can't then go around and trade him and, and get him the contract he wants somewhere else. Right, um, right. That's that's going to blown all that work. So um, I think having him come in, proving that that's how it works, and having him miss a year's salary that he's really never going to make up, yep. um, and then trade him, I think most people will look at that and say, that's not a road I want to travel. And um, I think that's, that's unfortunately the path they're, they're going to have to take. This the, the, This whole thing is ridiculous. Isn't it? I mean, the fact that we're, you know, I said this on the air last week. It's like something out of the onion. You know, it's like, what the hell? Really? I mean, this is almost two months now going back to the start of training camp. And you would have told me back in June that I'd be getting tweets from people calling the guy an idiot and a greedy bastard. And he's a chump and he's a moron and blah, blah, blah. And he's blacking people on Twitter. And he's not here for the first two games of the year. I would have thought you're out of your mind. Yeah. Who who saw this coming? No, I, I can't imagine anybody saw it coming. Um, and look, I, I, I have a really hard time um, saying anything negative about Cam, given what he's contributed to the team, how he's played, how he's carried himself, um, you know, uh, and the fact that you and I both know there are always details and context that none of us have, that only the people involved have. And so it's really hard to just assume, I, you know, people just – they love to take the high horse and that they're better than everyone else. And I just won't do that here with Cam. But I will admit, watching that game last week and just as someone who's played sports and as a competitor, like, man, I hope – people said, I hope you – you know, he probably is feeling like he gained because Bailey had that problem. My reaction is, God, he must have felt like crap knowing that he he let his teammates down. Like, he wasn't there when they needed him, and they lost a the game because of it. Um that should feel like the worst possible thing to a competitor yeah. like him. Well, um, if but if that's his emotion uh, or one of his emotions, it's not strong enough to get him in here. Apparently not. I really, you know, I had hoped that it would Monday or Tuesday. He'd kind of just say, "Look, I'm not going to do that." Yeah. Um, but I think we're in it for the long haul. Uh, you know, I, I, there's no reason to think any of this is going to change um, unless he has a different a different point of view. I don't think the Seahawks are going to change anything. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll talk in a week. Have fun at Lambeau. Enjoy it. Ah, I will, and I'll uh, I'll share my thoughts along the way. I'll try to take some videos so, so people can can join it if they've never been to Lambeau themselves. I love it. You're the man. Great stuff, buddy. Thanks, Softy. Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger. Find him on Twitter at Hawk Blogger and uh, on the web at HawkBlogger.com. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, appreciate you checking the podcast out right here on uh, Sports Radio 950 KJR.